Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 185 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you Master Jim on BDSM 12-step programs. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is the Beast. Hey, Woody, just seems like a couple of days we were in here last. It was. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. We had uh, visitors, and but now we're traveling to the wonderful West Coast. The far left coast. Far left coast. The state that is going to leave the Union first. Yes, and with their own climate agreement. Yes, and their 10th largest economy in the world. It's a new country out there, isn't it? Yes, it is. But politics aside, we have a very apolitical show. We're not here for politics today. We got Master Jim with us from the sunny state of California. Hello, Jim. Hello, how are you? We're Welcome good. to the cast. Thank you. Good to be here. Jim, you are a veteran of this community, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's kind of safe to say. I got started in it all before the internet, before podcasts. Been a long history. I've been in the scene in one form or another for over 30 years. So started in the late 80s and never really stopped. Just uh, different versions. We're on version 405. Uh, so- no, nah, we're 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 like in the teens. We're know, in the 19th. teens. Okay. <laughs> Evolution. Yeah. What drew you in? I mean, you you are you're in a very fertile uh kink world out there on the coast. Is that where you're started at? Yeah, I started in San Francisco. Uh, it's I love the telling the story. So I um when I was fourteen I was obviously just becoming sexually aware. And um, my sister had used to subscribe to this magazine called Glamour Magazine. I would uh, naturally, as a 14-year-old might do, uh, would kind of thumb through it looking for the underwear ads, which were very good, by the way. And there happened to be one article in there that was uh, about – had something to do with uh, the way women were portrayed violently in media – and it had a picture of a Rolling Stones poster um, for the Black and Blue album. It, says, it showed a woman tied up saying, I'm Black and Blue with the Rolling Stones, and I loved it. And uh, so that was supposed to be a bad image, but everything clicked in for me at that moment in time uh, that I really liked that. I loved the visual, just the the whole aesthetic, and it kind of answered a lot of questions for me of who I was and uh, what what I wanted to pursue. So unfortunately, though, this is, uh, that would be in 1980, 70, I think it was actually 79. A long time ago, uh, and like I said, there wasn't the internet, so finding out about it was pretty tough. I knew there was something out there, but I didn't really know how to go about finding it. So I kind of stumbled along through high school, being your typical high school jock, I guess you could say, playing football, which I like to say is the ultimate impact sport. Um, if you like hitting, it's it's fun. Or even to be hit, um, it's, it's fun both ways. And then um, so kind of hid that. Would 
get bits and pieces of information where I could. And then finally, I uh, when I turned 18 or maybe even a little before, there used to be a place up in North Beach, uh, North Beach Movie Theater, and they showed some bondage films right off of uh, Broadway. So I'd go to those, and I knew I wanted to learn. I knew I was dominant, but I thought the way to do it was from the bottom up. So I actually found a, a local dominatrix who later on I, I figured out really didn't know that much more than I did. But I kind of thought there was this whole protocol and, and training and all this stuff. So she was looking for a house slave, and I answered the ad with the intention of learning from the bottom up. And uh, so I became a, a house slave for this domination house out on Taraval in uh, San Francisco. I just mentioned that just in case there's some old-time listeners who know what I'm talking about. I know that area <laughs> very well. I was born in San Francisco. Okay, so right by the Safeway there. Oh, yeah. There was a house, and there was probably, uh, I don't know, three or four. I don't know how many exactly worked out there. But I, I belonged to this one, and I would do laundry and dishes and they were really some pretty messy women if you want to get down to it but i i did uh different things and then they would do different things to me to to train me i really learned that way and uh at that time i would start going to college up in in chico um at chico state number one party school voted by playboy and uh i would get to practice a little bit up there uh although it wasn't wasn't exactly fertile grounds and and you know your number one priority up there was actually kind of drinking and having fun um so it wasn't necessarily the best type of play but i kept coming down to san francisco and get more experience and i hooked up with a couple others one uh, a somewhat famous educator around here as well and just kind of learned that way from the bottom up and eventually uh, started having my own uh, BDSM master-slave relationships. And, uh, you know, they've been all over the gamut. Some have been kind of part-time, some have been full-time. I've actually uh, been a master for someone who is a professional dominatrix. And, uh, you know, so it's been quite a ride. I haven't looked back, still still love it. Still keeps me uh, mentally engaged, which is very important, as well as physically. You're the first person that I've talked to that actually had the experience of coming up from the bottom in a house. Yeah. That is an amazing opportunity. Well, you know, I didn't really know any other way. There was no kind of handbook out there at the time, and I'm not very good at reading. So I'm kind of – I learn by doing, and uh, it also gives you tremendous empathy for what's really going on. You know, I know – I personally, I think it's the way to go because you – uh, if when you're doing something to someone, then you you know what you have a pretty good sense or empathy of what what they're going through and what's happening at the time because you've been through it yourself. Were you ever at the keyhole looking in and see some really strange shit for a 18 year old? Ah, uh, yeah. Let me see if I can think of any any really good stuff. Unfortunately, no. Um, most of it was happening to me. I would say. <laughs> I don't think they. I mean, their typical clientele wasn't probably you know your young eighteen, nineteen year old. It's people who actually had money. I think it, I represented a bit of an opportunity for them to play with some young, fresh meat. I guess you could say. Oh, it's a tough life, but somebody has to do it. <laughs> exactly. 
was this a house of ill repute also or a house of domination or oh, it was a house of domination yeah no that, that i know of no ill repute went on but you never know um but yeah i uh it was a house of domination i'm not even sure how i you know i was involved with this person for about a year or so kind of sporadically because i, I was also going to college at the same time but uh so how'd you find the address out? Let's see. Well, the, in those days, you had these kinky newspapers, um, which kind of taught me how to read. And they would uh, – <laughs> I'm serious. I, I would go to adult bookstores, and nothing else could hold my attention than BDSM stories. So that really helped in my reading skills. And I always like to say, you know, when you're writing these kind of erotic stories, you need to be sure to have good English skills because it's – you know, it's important for people like me <laughs> to learn good good writing when you're reading these stories. But anyway, that diverse. Uh, so I answered the ad. Uh, I believe I called her. We spoke on the phone a little bit, and then uh, she gave me directions. It's pretty as simple as that. And this was the low-tech days of paper and a landline phone. Yeah, exactly. Landline phone. How far have, have, have we come today? Oh, yeah. In some ways, we've come a long ways. In some ways, kind of the same. Uh, In some ways, we might be worse off. I think so. Those magazines, I made my first connections through the back of them. A self-addressed step envelope. Right. Out to the wind. And see what happens. And and wait for it. And... (laughs) And you waited, and you watched your mailbox for the first couple of days, foolishly expectant, and then, then maybe you get lucky six months later, which was my case, and there was a strange letter show up. Yep, Couldn't have been that strange. Yes, yeah, she was. <laughs> yes, she was. A dear woman, but yes, she was strange. You made the transition from the bottom to the top, and what was the first victim the spider said to the fly well it was always kind of going on i would always dominate you know however i i could um from the get-go so even in high school i would find certain female partners that were kind of more suited than others for it. it it was pretty simple like if i became bored with the sex that was not a long-term thing uh if if they were more experimental, then it became something different. But I would say, uh, you know, certainly in college, so I, I kind of take my skill set back up to Chico where I went to college and uh, start to apply it there. I, I led a bit of a double life. Uh, I had a girlfriend at the time up there who was not very much into kink. She wasn't at all, actually. But she was a good girlfriend in uh, shorty and she'd do a few things uh, but then i would go and experiment with others as well and it it's not too hard <laughs> it was, uh when hormones are flying around at, at that point so uh but what probably the next step that would be of interest to your listeners and, and to you guys and this story would be i i met someone who was about 10 years older than me you found your mrs robinson mm-hmm yeah, I did. Uh, exactly. Uh, she, but she looked like Uma Thurman in um, in Pulp Fiction. Oh wow! Okay. Exactly. So she was she was a very hot Mrs. Robinson. But we pretty much uh, kind of fell into this um, master slave relationship, 
that she took care of my needs a couple of years and I wanted for nothing. It became a, a little bit of a kept man syndrome. Darn the luck. I hate it yeah, when that I happens. Yeah, I hate when that happens. There was actually a song that popular at the time called I'm Just a Gigolo. And we, <laughs> I remember it well. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of laugh at that one. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the next step. And we, we were together for quite a few years and actually we're still in touch and still a very huge part of my life, although we kind of went separate ways. When did you develop your nose? We all have it. We can spot the submissive one in the crowd. So when did you discover that you had the the sense? Uh, you know, that's a really good question, and no one's ever asked me that. <sighs> yeah, I, th- I think within the last few years, I really became aware of it. I could tell the difference. And I can tell from a picture on a personal profile whether there's some sort of chemistry there. I think I always... I had it for a long time. It's a little, it would be a little bit of kind of experimental trial and error. You know, like when the, when the Christians were underground, uh, and they would draw a little fish on the ground with their foot to, to find other Christians. So it became a little bit of a few probing questions that you got the right kind of response. Then you went to the next few questions, but to the point where, okay, I, I can tell this person's, such as the secretary, you know right away they're submissive. I didn't really become aware of that till oh, five, ten years ago, I would say. I developed my sense in the in my twenties before I actually came out as kinky. I could spot a woman behind me at three hundred yards. Rear view kink. Yeah, just nice. it was just a radar. <laughs> And, and it frustrated the women I was dating very, very much because I'd be going along and walking and all of a sudden I would whip around and there she was. Wow. But the, um, the submissive radar probably in the, in my thirties got kicked on and been fine tuning it ever since. Well, in 2007 or 2006, I started working with someone who's passed away, unfortunately, Talabrandis, who was really a um, just a broke a lot of ground for. Her. She was started her life as a badass, rode in a motorcycle gang, um, and uh, was in manufacturing, and then at one point, and then had to transition to a woman, uh, and she was just an amazing person. Uh, I met her. She was doing a, I was interested in hypnosis and NLP to really do deep training. And uh, she did this seminar I uh, showed up at and I immediately thought, oh God, I've just wasted my money. And uh, because she she looked like something else, you know, six foot one, trans, tatted up and uh, ear piercings all over the place. And I'm a pretty progressive guy, but I thought, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? But at the end, by the end of it, she had me hook, line, and sinker. She knew what she's doing with NLP and with um, hypnosis. And that's I started to seriously study kind of reading body language and voice and NLP as well as playing around with, with some hypno. And I think that's when it really started to kind of hone in. For our listeners that don't know what NLP is, a neural linguistic programming, which is a interesting way of training yourself to do things exactly that's something i just learned see this is educational stuff it is educational (laughs) stuff jim 
you are also involved in a current project out there in the uh, San Francisco area. And that project is called? Oh, Safe Word? Yes. Yeah, Safe Word. So, yeah, I uh, and like uh, I was telling you before, I, I don't really speak for Safe Word. I just can speak from my experience. But uh, Safe Word is a group. There's actually two. There's one in San Francisco. It meets a, the dungeon, the Citadel, on uh, Tuesday nights. And there's another one out in uh, Berkeley, Oakland, that meets on Sunday nights. And it's a group that is a recovery group based on uh, the 12 steps of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's all-inclusive uh, for, for alcoholics, drug addicts, um, people who have food problems, people who have self-harm issues. I'm probably leaving another issue out, certainly adult children of alcoholics. So it's, it pretty much covers a gamut of any kind of self-harm behavior. And um, it's a great group. It's actually uh, one of the other members gave me the the Master Jim name. And uh, we meet and we're able to kind of discuss and talk about both uh, kink and recovery, which is amazing. And the recovery, especially in San Francisco, you would think it would be more open-minded, but it actually was not. Um, and I've been in recovery for over 20 years. So um, I basically drank too much in college. So let's just leave it at that. You went to Chico. There's a reason. Exactly, right? But that program is very interesting because the typical 12-step program is often not in alignment with our kink world. It's rather religious. It's a very religious-based, and uh, that sometimes is a problem for the kink world. And there are parts of the programs that don't fit with the kink world at all because some people say that kink is an addiction. Even. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's, I don't believe it is. It's a great outlet. And thank God I didn't listen to those people when I first came in. But there is, yeah, there is kind of a lot of peer pressure within various recovery groups that if you're doing something that's really fun and enjoyable, you're doing something wrong. And so I think certainly that was part of what really opened up SafeWord was we don't believe in that philosophy. Um, if anything, you know, it's kind of about taking better care of your body and mind so you can do fun stuff with your body and mind. And, um, in fact, one of the more funner parts, uh, when I first started going to the meeting, we'd take this break in between. And during the break, everyone would kind of drop their pants and show their scars from the weekend, <laughs> show their bruises. <laughs> show and tell. Yeah, it was definitely a show and tell. But I, yeah, it can be an issue, and it's really um, so. It's it's very. We try and be as open minded as as possible, um, and just kind of you know work on your stuff and have a safe place to go where you can talk about kink and recovery. And um, you know, certainly since I've gotten into recovery, my kink has gotten much much better. It's much more sharper and focused and aware. We have a group locally here called Recovery in the Lifestyle, R-I-T-L, that serves basically at the similar purpose. Right. And uh, considering that our home city of Nashville is the smallest hole in the buckle of the Bible Belt, the 12-step programs are not very flexible. This gives people a option that's a little more humanistic and less a steward way to right. work on their issues. 
I'm glad that they, you all are, are creating that environment out there because we definitely are a community with unique needs. and People Absolutely. need a safe place to vent their problems. Yeah, and they need a, a safe place to kind of discuss you know, everything surrounding kink because um, there's obviously you're, you're gaining a relationship there and some are, relationships are more healthy than others. Um, so you need a safe place to be able to talk about that and also, you know, somewhere where people can call you on your own behavior that is they have experience with it themselves. So the the source is, is uh, probably better quality of the suggestions. And how big are groups are you running? You know, it's kind of all over the place. It can be as small as two people and it's as big as, as 30. And it tends to ebb and flow. It's been going for about seven or eight years now actually i believe a good eight years if you're having experience with recovery in general kind of the place dictates a lot of um you know how the room size so we've moved around a little bit it's it's shrunk a bit but i think the the seats are still there so it's a little bit on the smaller side at the moment but uh, it's all are welcome and uh so i think and, and plus, now we have another one going in, in Oakland. One of the members from the San Francisco One God chapter going there. And I hope that you know the the steps and the traditions are kind of out there. Um, anyone can start their group. Um, you know, there's a saying: all you need is um, three people, resentment, and a coffee pot to, um, <laughs> <laughs> to get it to start a group. And uh, that's definitely what we're aiming to do as well. Is the group safe word available on the web somewhere so people can find out about it? Yeah, probably the best place is go go on to the FetLife, and it, there's a safe word group there. And then you can um, contact myself or uh, other people in the group. And um, if somebody else wants to start a group, then uh, we'll, we'll certainly get you the materials to get started, uh, which is the steps and the traditions, and then just kind of the opening closing and middle right now it's just uh, available in two locations san francisco and oakland yeah people out in other areas and other cities if you want to get in on this contact our guest that's exactly it was started by someone now in new york so i'd love to see a chapter go into, into new york but certainly anywhere um, i think there's enough a couple of people who want just kind of a, a format really to start a group, highly encourage do it. Or you may be getting some strange emails in the <laughs> in the near future. Uh, what's the future hold for you, Jim? Ah, uh, yeah, good question. Uh, you know, I'm just continuing on with my being a master and uh, getting into more deeper training with slaves. I actually have a um, another kind of incarnation. It's Master James Mace. You can look me up on Facebook. And that's uh, professional dominant. And probably down the road, as time allows, I'll get into uh, deeper training and might even bring a little Zen type of twist to it. I won't say too much more, but um, certainly deep bondage and meditation have, I think they're, they're very much linked. I've found people who meditate a lot can get into very deep bondage and enjoy it. I think there's something to, to be had out of that. And so I'm going to start exploring that more. And I'm working on the chakra system right now mm -hmm. because I see some parallels going on there. So I think East, East is ready to meet West. 
Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's kind of happening. It's just kind of it's colliding. You know, when I it's funny. I was looking at an old BDSM movie uh, last night, and uh, it was pretty cheesy. It was if you probably remember the B B and D Pleasure Guys, um, but they had this Japanese person coming over, a master, and, and was doing some some rope work. And that was a thing, you know. I forget when it was made. It had to be the mid '80s, but that was like, that was a huge kind of shibari was not very common. People didn't even know how to tie a knot. Uh, I still don't. I remember yeah. that it was in the '90s when it uh, took off really, really strongly. When Midori took the mando and ran with it. Yeah, exactly. She was in the movie. That's funny. So there's a lot of that. Um, and I'm involved somewhat with Buddhism. I'm not actually a Buddhist myself, but I have a slave that is. Um, so it's kind of a it's a direction that I'm going, and also you know, kind of the deeper, I think the deeper training. Um, certainly, what I've found is highly intelligent, um, smart women who also have a lot on their plate. Um, you know, be it family commitments or be it um, work commitments, really need. Uh, sometimes you need to kind of take a break and and just turn it over, and and that's that beats getting a a massage or all the other kind of newfangled ways that you know they're or going to the spa. I think that's a very interesting way of of getting some relief, uh, especially people who are, are extremely stressed out. So I'm, I'm looking at other different ways to explore that. And uh, I have an ongoing fascination with electricity and power and energy. Um, so I continually to uh, explore that. Well, fantastic. We want to thank you for joining us tonight. And our listeners, if you want to get in touch with our guest, Master Jim on FetLife, we really do thank you for your insight and hearing the story of your journey. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And really, this is great what you're doing. So thanks for uh, propagating it. It's much easier to get information these days than when I started. We want to also remind our listeners that uh, we have a search engine on our homepage at kinkycast.com, and you can search for your favorite kink or your favorite guest. Anybody that you're looking for will come up in the search results. So uh, keep that in mind. And the one last thing I'm going to say is go to our homepage and hit the donate button. We can always use the help to keep the podcast rolling. We are definitely in the charity yeah, <laughs> charity is, mode. Yes, charity mode here. The the monthly expense to keep the cast running comes out of our pockets, and it is uh, just getting a lot. As we get more listeners, our server bill goes up every month. So uh, that's a good thing, but it is costing us, so we could sure use the help. You guys need some sponsorship. There you go. Bring it on. Bring it on. Uh, get some get some equipment, people, to sponsor you. All right. Thanks again, Jim. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, okay, thank you. You have been listening to episode 185 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we present James Ross Raleigh and Queen Rainey, classic leather couple. 